the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Thursday, November 17th, Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar. That is just right around the corner. It's going to be at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. Still a few seats remaining, but not many. It's I'm excited to say it's going to sell out, and uh, CFP Chad Burton and I will be there. Chad will be running the event on retirement income and tax planning. Very critically important financial topics that you need to have a concept of before you hit retirement. Uh, 6.30 to 8.30, Chad Burton, how are you doing today? Doing well, Mr. Black. How are you? Good. People can find your podcast where they find and consume podcasts. New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. And while they're at chadburton.com, they can sign up for the event there. Let's talk a little bit about who is this event right for? Because in the past, we've seen all sorts of people show up for Money 101. Wealthy people would show up. I'm like, that's not the point. Um, Tall people, short people, people with high incomes, slow incomes. Like It's a variety. How about with the event we're doing Thursday, who is the event right for? Well, it's right for, I mean, I, I can't really say an age because some people might have saved a ton of money or hit a windfall and okay. they're about ready to retire at the age of 50. So maybe they're 40, right? But the, the idea is that you want to have at least a half a million dollars already saved for retirement. If you're, if, if you're going to be engaged in these strategies that I'm going to talk about. Um, so half a million dollars and probably somewhere between, you know, around 10, 11 years or less away from retirement. Because this is not an event for people just starting out savings. We're not going to talk about how to fund a Roth or Roth 401ks versus regular 401ks. That's that, that's not how we're going to address. We're not going to address how to get started. I'm going to cover how much do you need for retirement. So people might have a lot saved up, but is it enough based on your expenses? We're going to talk about things like how does Medicare work and what other insurance do you need in retirement to cover the cost of healthcare and why you still have Medicare Part B that you pay for, supplemental insurance, co-pays. How much does that cost and what inflation rates did you use in retirement? I'm going to talk about how to make your portfolio last in good markets and bad markets. You and I have been talking about that on air since 1999, and it's worked through several market corrections. Right. Um, and, and part of that is how much cash you need on the sidelines and when do you rebalance your portfolio? Um, and it's also about which accounts to draw from first to keep your taxes lower for longer. Because you and I, as we're as we're working, um, we're we're always saying, "How do I keep my taxes the lowest possible this year?" When you switch into retirement mode, you have to switch your tax thinking and say, "How do I keep my taxes lower for longer?" Because sometimes accelerating some taxes now can help you save taxes after the age of seventy-two when your required minimum distributions kick in from your IRAs which is uh, what this one uh, CPA guru Ed Slot calls is a ticking tax time bomb. Ticking tax time bomb on Fox, yeah. the world's most dangerous tax time bomb. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, yes. You've got a lot to cover there, and I agree with you um, 100%. I, I can't say I, I'm excited about retirement because it seems like the system's a little bit more complicated than it should be with age brackets and income brackets and tax brackets. Um, it seems like it should be more golden years and less math. One of the topics that you brought up was how much do you need? Now, I'm more of a market accumulator. I'm more of a, I've done this a long time. You're more of a specifically trained high financial ninja, a CFP. How much do you need? I say on air 10 to 20 times your income before you retire, have 10 to 20. And then I'm like, go talk to CFP Chad Burton. He'll handle it from there. Um, what are the numbers that you start to use when you, how much do you need? Well, it depends. I mean, some people have some pensions and they've maxed out their social security. They might have some rental property. Um, So it's, it's all cash flow oriented. You, before you retire, you know, well in advance, 10 plus years before you retire, you you need to have a very detailed cash flow based plan done that shows here's all my income sources. Here's my dividends and interest in my taxable accounts that I'm going to pay taxes on, even if I don't take them. Um, And here's how much I'm spending, but you got to think, okay, maybe you're empty nesters now and you're going to retire. And what are you going to do to fill the 40 to 60 hours a week that you've been working? What's that going to cost? And so I, I don't know, Rob, I mean, I see a lot of, um, you know, situations where people have saved a lot of money, but their expenses are so out of whack that they think they're, they have a lot saved up, but it pales in comparison to what they actually spend. And so your cash flow analysis should have everything you spend, plus what your healthcare costs could be between now and age 65 when Medicare kick in. Um, and when does your Social Security kick in? When does your required minimum distributions kick in? What are you going to pay in taxes each year? Are you going to downsize a home or buy a second home? It, it all has to go into the plan. So I think you're you know somewhat on track in terms of 10 times your annual income to get a basic idea if you're even close to on track when you're 30 or 40 years old, but you have to have a much more, you know, detailed approach when you're, you know, 10 to 12 years away from retirement. You remember when you were 20 and you were passionate and sexy and the women in your life were passionate and sexy. And you're like, let's do a budget. And they're just like, no, let's go to dinner. And now when you're in like your fifties, you're like, let's do a budget. And it's like, no, I don't want to do that. It's, it's, it's getting, it's very difficult to get people to settle down and think financially. How tough of a problem is that? Because now you're dealing with people who are no longer in their 20s. You're dealing with people who have formed minds on money and relationships. Um, how difficult is it to get them you know, ready for the, the, I hate to say this, the retirement mindset? It's almost cliche, right? It's such an interesting time because some people have really embraced working from home more. Okay. And some people are like, I'm done working now. I didn't, I, I, I used to enjoy work and I could have retired a couple of years ago. But now I'm working from home doing Zoom all the time. I've lost my social connections with the people at work. And so I, I need to retire and then go rebuild my social connections. Um, and that sounds kind of weird, Rob, but it's like if if you go from, I've said this before, working a, a ton of hours and not having a lot to do outside of work, no hobbies, interests, uh, volunteering, things like that. That's the person that really has a difficult time in retirement if they don't have really a life plan. So part of doing a good retirement plan is is questioning what what's going to motivate me to get out of bed, um, and then talking to younger people about retirement. If you talk to anybody under really thirty five, the word retirement is kind of like a, a it's not it's not a good word. They they picture people sitting on a rocking chair with gray hair. 
And that's, that's not what it is. And it's not even what it is to me either anymore. I, like I've said to you before, being in this business for over 28 years now from a, a young age of 19, um, I, I, I saw a lot of older people and they spend their mid to late seventies talking about how much they're going to the doctor and scheduling their whole lives around each other's doctor's appointments. So concentrating a lot on your health and using some of your money to really maximize your health so you can enjoy retirement or even work longer, but make, take more time off. You know, it's, it's, it's not just this getting to this end goal of 65 and I'm done. It's how do you make money? You help you enjoy life. Right. So the event is ideal for people with $500,000 or more and well on the path for retirement. You can come out and meet CFP Chad Burton. It's our first event in two years. It's going to be emotional for me because it's my social connection to you, the listener. It's retirement income and tax planning seminar win. It's going to be Thursday evening, 630 to 830 at the Elks Lodge. Great, easy parking in Palo Alto. You don't get to say those phrases uh, consecutively very often in your life. The event is going to cover a lot of topics about income in retirement. You can sign up for the event at chadburton.com. Interested in becoming a client, you can reach out to him at chadburton.com. Use the code event25 or social25 to get in for free. We would like to see you. I'm Rob Black. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. So tomorrow night, big event. Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Great location, great parking. 6.30 to 8.30. I'll probably get there around 5.15. CFP Chad Burton and his team of financial planners will be there. A couple people from EP Wealth will be there. It should be pretty exciting. It should have a good buzz to it. One of the things I love about these live events is the questions. We will do probably an hour and a half presentation, 30 minutes of questions. Um, don't be shy if you have a question. Um, but even more importantly, before the event starts and during breaks and uh, after the event, feel free to talk to CFP Chad Burton or Dan Fetterman or Ryan Ignacio. You're going to get a lot of people there who can answer your financial planning questions. I'll talk to you. And um, what I like about it is it's sometimes kind of colorful, right, Chad? Um, someone will come up to you and ask you about Bitcoin. They'll come over to me and ask me about Bitcoin. They're like, you guys don't have the same answer. But when it comes to income, <laughs> those and are the ones that I worry about when they go ask the same question to five different advisors in the room. That's a, uh, that's a little odd. <laughs> there, okay. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. There is some of that that goes around where people want to hear their answers and they don't want to hear your answers. And I'll be honest with you, Chad, when it comes to income and retirement, I hate this, but I trust you and my, my CFP more than I trust me. Um, because I, I'm tainted. I, I have my wife who's influencing me. Um, I'd rather have the scientific approach of the sun, uh, financial planner versus the emotional approach of me and my wife. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I got, you know, like Ryan and Dan have been with me for years. We're going to have a couple of uh, CFPs from the East Bay office as well in Lafayette. So we'll have a, a good crew there to answer all the questions. And we've got an EP way. So it's 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 going to be pretty uniform across the board. Especially but when it, it, but when it does come to Bitcoin, you and I have different opinions. Like, I, I don't get it. I'm one of those people that, A, I don't need it. I'm wealthy without it. And B, I just don't get it. Um, to me, it looks like a digital lottery ticket that you have to have someone else take from you at some point in time. Now, I, I understand there's the Ethereum network and the smart contracts and the blockchain 
great, but the coin and, and I just don't get. Yeah. Do you need that the coin without the? With, you, you've got the technology there, yeah. and I think the Ponzi scheme, the pump and dump, and that's all showing up. The the oh, decentralized uh, currency now. It's it was fully centralized. It was fully leveraged, and it's been a massive disaster recently. That's worthy sure. of note that House lawmakers have called on Sam Bankman Freed and other executives to testify to hear it on the FTX collapse. There is some contagion going on today with another um, broker going uh, the way of bankruptcy. But back to our event, Chad, retirement income and tax planning. Give me an example of tax planning in retirement, um, because it, it sounds like a college class tax planning in retirement. What do we need well, to know? This is going to be the most probably intense event that people are going to have ever attended when it comes to how, how much I dig into the weeds here, because um, there's a lot that goes into it. And what's interesting is the 2017 tax act made it much more confusing and difficult. However, there's a lot more opportunity there, believe it or not for retirees, especially. Um, and, And so the idea here is that most people that can afford to retire have different assets, right? They, they might even have some rental income, which is taxed a certain way because of depreciation. Um, most have some cash in the bank that they've already paid taxes on. Most of them have stocks or funds or ETFs in a non-retirement account, like a, a just a normal brokerage account, where if they sell, they pay capital gains taxes. And, and by the way, those, when you own funds and ETFs and bonds in a normal account, they're going to kick off income that you report on your tax return, no matter what you do. And then people have 401ks and IRAs that have never been taxed. And in many cases, Roth IRAs that will never be taxed. And so the idea here is that from the date of retirement, so let's say you retire when you're 62, but you still put off social security till you're 70. From that date of retirement to the date you start taking Social Security, you have a whole bunch of control on what you do with your tax bracket. And there's some really great opportunities. Um, and sometimes that opportunity is especially those that have a lot of stock for the company that they worked for that has been highly appreciated. And if you sell it, you pay capital gains. A lot of those people can alternate their income from one year to another from selling a bunch of stock at a gain and then either taking money out of an IRA or converting money from an IRA to a Roth. So let's just focus on capital gains bracket for a minute, Rob. Okay, sure. And we're talking about this federally because California taxes it at the normal level. But on the federal side, if you if you look at a married couple filing jointly um, that's 65 or older, when you file your taxes, you either take it, you itemize your deductions or you take the standard. Well, the standard is so high now that a lot of people are taking just the standard deduction. So that means the first $30,700 of income in 2023 for a married couple filing jointly over age 65 is tax-free, right? Um, and then let's let's pretend for a minute you don't touch your IRAs. All you take is your dividends from your you know US-based stocks and you decide to sell stocks for a gain that you've held over a year. So basically that capital the way the capital gains brackets work is that you have your standard deduction of 30,700 or more if you're itemizing and then between your dividends and, and capital gains you can go all the way up to 89,250 in 2023 and pay zero federal taxes in some cases. Now it's always dependent on your situation some of the other things that you have going on but so many in retirement especially prior to social security 
miss the opportunity to start diversifying out of a highly concentrated, high gain position in their normal brokerage accounts because they don't understand the capital gains tax bracket. And so we see this quite often where people are afraid to sell stuff because they don't want to pay taxes. Well, if you do it right, sometimes you pay very little taxes on the first, you know, 80 grand filing married filing jointly, and then only 15%, you know, to another level. So that, that's one example. Are you ready for another one that we look at? Sure. Now this is, this is one that is, ta- I mean, this is one of the reasons why I've hate been texting Rob the day before I'm supposed to be on air and saying, Hey, can you take the show tomorrow? Cause I'm slammed just because, uh, IRA to Roth conversions towards the end of the year, especially in a down market. This is where a lot of our planners are, are spending time on there's, there's, we're either helping people gift, you know, stocks that have a gain to charity, setting up a donor advised funds or doing tax analysis before the end of the year. Cause that's when you want to do it. So the other option that people always want to look at at the end of the each year is, okay, where are, where am I right now in terms of taxable income? How do the brackets work? And so for example, you have either your itemized deductions or your standard deduction. And so for example, if a person is sitting on taxable income right now of $70,000 married filing jointly, they have another $19,000 at the 12% bracket. They're always going to be at that bracket or higher. So why not convert approximately 19000 from your IRA to your Roth, pay the taxes now, and let it grow tax-free for the rest of your life, and then it can pass on to your kids and grow 10 years more tax-free for them. So lots of tax planning opportunities right now. This is going to be a fun event. I'm really looking forward to seeing you, Chad. I'm really looking forward to hearing you talk. And two years ago, I was sick and tired of hearing you talk. So um, you can tell it's going to be kind of palpable and in the air. It's um, November 17th, 630 to 830. That's tomorrow night. You can sign up at CFP Chad Burton's website. Get his podcast, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Sign up for the event at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Lots to talk about in retirement tomorrow night. Palo Alto, Elks Lodge. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I start my morning off each and every day with page one from briefing.com. Patrick O'Hare's article, his headline today, consumer spending views mixed. Um, Could not be more true if I wrote the headline myself. Yesterday, we had kind of glorious report out of Walmart. Today, we get less so out of Target. Yesterday, kind of glorious with Lowe's and Home Depot and in love and doing great with the market. Here reporting on this and much, much more. Patrick O'Hare, how are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing fine. Thanks. Is it fair to say the retail sales numbers this week are kind of interesting in the sense that they're not consistent? Uh, it is. And I think that there's uh, some important information lurking between the lines, though, of, of the reports, um, you know, that we got from the likes of Walmart and Target and Home Depot and Lowe's. Um, you know, as you alluded to, you know, you had some uh, better than expected earnings news from from Walmart and uh, and Home Depot. But, um you know, when you look at Walmart, they're also talking about how uh, they're seeing consumers trade down. They're seeing more spending on consumables versus discretionary items. Uh, when you see, when you look at Home Depot, um, yes, sales are up, but, you know, they're seeing a decline in customer transactions. Um, you know, this morning, Target uh, missed badly and then also spoke of that same sort of uh, inclination to buy consumables as opposed to discretionary items. 
and then Lowe's as well, um, kind of mimicking a little bit of what we heard out of Home Depot. So we think that there's a, a transition, an important transition coming to light here as it relates to uh, the state of the consumer as as well as the impact of persistently high inflation and uh, and now some other issues that are kind of probably starting to be felt more, uh, that being the extended declines in the stock market this year, the slowdown in the housing market, right? And then uh, and then you're starting to maybe get more concerns about job security picking up now with the announcement of large layoffs at some of these big tech companies. You said something in there that stuck out to me. Um, it's starting to pick up. The bad news is starting to pick up is what I heard in my head. Um, with the Fed kind of hitting a lot of interest rate hikes, are the problems going to start to pick up? Because those are those kind of lag or slowly get into the economy. Are we in for a rough 2023 or at least a turbulent 2023? Yeah, I think, you know, I think uh, I think we're in for a, a, let's just say, challenging 2023, uh, economically speaking. Uh, and, uh, you know, the stock market might not be as challenged as the economy is in 2023. And, and what yeah. I mean by that is we've had a lot of uh, of fear priced into the market this year as it relates to the economic outlook and and the potential for a, a recession and and of course with a recession you'll get much lower earnings growth or actually most likely negative earnings growth and um, and you'll see the lag effect as you're as you're talking about from these interest rates that just started picking up in March um, you'll see that kind of really come to the surface more in 2023. Uh, you'll see that lead to more layoff announcements um, and, again, likely lower levels of cons- consumer spending, which make for a more challenging economy. Um, now, in terms of talking about the stock market outlook, you know, one of the ingredients we felt uh, is important for, uh, for the market to feel better that it's hit a bottom is to see these earnings estimates get cut more sharply. And uh, and when that happens, then investors have a a stronger sense of confidence that they're buying a stock that's beaten down or even an index that's beaten down at at, at a true value as opposed to a, a uh, uh, you know a hoped for value. Um, so you start to see the uh, earnings game change a bit where you see uh, a sharp downgrade in earnings estimates, but then companies coming out and beating those much lower earnings expectations, which is a, can mark an important shift as it relates for investor sentiment. So it's possible that the stock market could see that happen, you know, at some point around the middle of 2023 and therefore uh, get a better performance out of it, even though the economy itself is not doing all that great. One of your statistics that you threw down as one of your last sentences today in your consumer spending views mixed opening um, page one column today was the S&P 500 is up six and a half percent from a week ago. The Nasdaq's up nine point seven percent. Like, wow. Can we just copy and paste that a couple times um, in my head is what I'm thinking. And But you're right. There's a, a there's a lack of conviction. How much further can we go? Um, are you worried that? There's a big spring in the box stock market right now, and we bounce high in one week. And wow, that's big. Um, but that doesn't really match up with what we're seeing out of retail sales. It doesn't really match up with what we're seeing out of the Fed Reserve. Um, when are you worried that we should be in the stock market? Because I'm in the stock market. I'm just in less risky assets than I was 12 months ago in the stock market. Yeah. But I'm in just in case there's these big weeks like this. Well, and that's a really important 
point, Rob, actually, I wrote a big picture column uh, a few weeks ago, um, you know, just talking about how um, this is a market you do want to be in and you want to you want to continue to dollar cost average because you never know when that big week is coming and that big day is coming. Right. Um, and especially now when you've seen the S&P 500, that means not it was down more than 20 percent not that long ago. Right. Um, you know, the Nasdaq was down like around 35 percent or so. Um, those are sharp declines off of those prior peaks. And so, um, you know, from a consumer spending standpoint, right, don't we all like a bargain? Like you want to buy something that's uh, maybe not at full price. You know, you want something that's, you know, 25, 30, 40, 50% off. And so I think that same mentality needs to kick in as it relates to the long-term investing mindset. And that's why you stay invested in this market with a dollar cost averaging approach uh, that will pay dividends, you know, as we ultimately recover. This market will recover. Um, There's, Plenty of history that suggests that we're, you know, in a down cycle right now, but you emerge from those down cycles uh, with some, you know, pretty good returns. And if you're not in the market, you won't benefit from those returns. So, uh, you know, um, so to that point, I mean, I think it's a uh, have we seen the bottom? You know, it's difficult to say. I think that we're we're close to a bottom anyway, just given what we've seen in terms of the uh, inflation trends of late, right? They, they are moving in the right direction. And that's an important ingredient because the stock market needs to be convinced that the Fed is not going to, uh, um, you know, be its enemy anymore. And, uh, and, and it's still not there yet. You know, we're hearing from Fed officials that there's, you know, we're still going to see rates move up. Um, but we might get to that point, you know, in the next, oh, you know, three to six months, perhaps, where the Fed stops raising rates and and uh, and then the market could ultimately take that to mean that, you know, the next move could, is apt to be lower in terms of that uh, monetary policy versus higher. But, um, you know, the inflation data will, will, will ultimately be the telling point in that respect. But. Um, the market, the stock market has to have confidence in the idea that the Fed is done raising rates and is about to actually pivot to a rate cut cycle. And that's when you'll see a better performance for the stock market. It's interesting to note that one of the goals the Fed very likely has, and I'm, I'm making this up and I'm putting words in their mouth, but they probably wanted to see housing kind of cool down, lose its speculation. It was a crazy two years that we had in 2020-21 as far as return on your money if you're in real estate, but also crypto. Uh, they have to be thrilled that that speculative asset is broken and, and fallen apart. Um, any other sacred cows out there that we want to see fall or any thoughts on crypto and housing cooling off and maybe playing with the Fed's cards? Well, you know, the employment situation is, is okay. I think, is really what's on the, on the Fed's mind okay. uh, more so than anything else. You know, I, I think the Fed... Uh, can appreciate that, you know, people are, have been hurt, you know, by what's happened in the crypto universe. Um, I think they can also appreciate that their monetary policy helped uh, fuel that type of mania. Um, so uh, maybe appreciating the fact that there could be some culpability there, frankly. Um, same thing with the housing market, right? Um, you know, they were still buying mortgage-backed securities at the start of the year here, which helped, you know, keep those mortgage rates quite low. And a lot of people chasing homes at, you know, full price, you know, waiving inspections and, and whatnot. Um, and now, unfortunately, the housing market is, is really cooling down with that spike in mortgage rates. And the Fed now 
letting those mortgage-backed securities roll off uh, each month uh, to a significant degree. So, uh, so there'll be continued pressure on that housing market. But the Fed and Fed Chair Powell's been pretty specific in saying that they really want to see some weakening in the labor market to help uh, provide some, uh, take some of the edge off of the wage-based inflation pressures that are filtering through here. Uh, and so that'll be the focal point for them more than anything else. Uh, but you could see that with the troubles we've had in the stock market, with the slowdown in the housing market, uh, what we're seeing now out of these tech companies that are announcing big layoffs, um, you know, you should start to see some of that weakening here in coming months. And that can create a little bit of relief as it relates to the interest rate outlook uh, that the stock market is is hoping for. I love the insight in the conversation. Thank you very much. It's Patrick O'Hare. I look forward to his daily column, page one, each and every day. It's one of the very first things that I read to start my day. It's three or four paragraphs. It's it's well done. But by Friday, the big picture column is important to me as it shows me what just happened in the last week. What what are we looking forward to next week? And he just schooled me. I said, do you think the Fed is happy that uh, risky assets like Bitcoin and homes have come down and or flat out broken? And he goes, nope, they're worried about jobs. And I love that. Um, showing you that I don't have to be right and I don't have to be the center of attention. He was right. Target's down 13.8% today. There's a mixed reaction to earnings news out of Target. Mixed reaction to the October retail sales report. Strengthening dollar, which is bad for large mega cap stocks. So they're lagging today after having a big last five days on the market. Little bit of a... For lack of a better word, normal consolidation going on. Big event Thursday night in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge with CFP Chad Burton. Use the code event25 at chadburton.com to sign up for the event. It's our first event back, and it's all about income and retirement. I'm Rob Black. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Retirement income and tax planning. It's something you need to know when you're 50 plus, half a million plus investable assets, heading towards retirement. What is the income you're going to be expecting? How much is your portfolio going to pay you? How much do you want it to pay you? There's a lot to think about there. But then also the tax planning where you can take some tax hits now in a down market that might be wise when the markets return to up times and you're starting to withdraw from those portfolios. This is an event that is for you. 6.30 to 8.30, Elks Lodge, Elk Camino, Real in Palo Alto. You can sign up for the event at Chad Burton. Use the code event 25 or social 25. I'm pretty sure it's going to fill up today. Uh, I think we just have just a couple seats left if we even have that. Chad, let's talk a little bit about highly concentrated positions because in the Bay Area, if you work for Apple, you probably have a lot of wealth in Apple stock options. If you work for Google, you probably have a lot of wealth in Alphabet stock options. Um, what do you consider a highly concentrated position and what is a good way to exit that position? Because um, some people get emotional. They, they want to hold on to it. They saw it go from 100,000 to 2 million and they're like, that's my baby. Yeah, that's for sure. And then you get, I mean, Cisco is another one, right? I mean, you've, sure. if you look at, we've had, we had years and years of outperformance on Cisco, but if you look at the last three years, it's up 9.3% versus the SP 500 being up 34.3% total return. So I used to love Cisco, Chad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I hear you. And, you know, sometimes larger companies have a tough time continuing to grow revenue to make them look like a growth stock. And so, 
when you're younger and you're getting, you're adding to ESPPs and you get RSUs that vest and it, it, it's hard to not have a highly concentrated stock position. And honestly, that's how some people have built a lot of wealth. But as you go into retirement, you can use Enron as an example, but you know, a lot of younger investors won't really even remember that. But going, if you're going into retirement thinking the stock is going to be, you know, an angel forever, you go, th- you go through periods of time where companies misstep, they, they miss their mark, they stop growing revenue as fast, and then you're, you have everything riding on that position, and that's not okay. Um, so having more than 5% of your portfolio in a single stock position becomes too much risk, in my opinion, and you need to plan to diversify that. You don't have to do it right away, but you need to have a strategy to do it. And when you have a market that's kind of... You know, we've had a recent tech rally back up from the lows. And so I think now is a good time to look at this situation where if you have a highly concentrated position and you're at or near retirement, you can use what's called selling covered calls as a good way to create a little extra income, create a sell point if the stock rallies and having that extra income to buffer some of the downside protection or some of the downside risk rather. And to your point, if you're an employee at Facebook, you're going, Mark Zuckerberg, why did you do the metaverse thing? Why did you see I was cruising? I was concentrated. The wealth was growing and you blew it, Mark. And it just reminds me like um, that could be Apple because yeah. it was Cisco. And, you know, Intel once was the, the 800 pound gorilla. Now I would say NVIDIA is. But now NVIDIA has been cut in half telling you concentrated positions. You got to do something with them before something goes wrong. And you're like, you're, you're sitting there waiting years for the return to the all time highs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Apple was very dependent on China to have handset growth. You know, now they're kind of dependent on everybody. Oh, my, my iPhone 11 doesn't work anymore. I better get the 14 and that constant cycle. Um, and so to have a company that large, you need other economies, other regions to be able to grow into. And now we're seeing political stress with China. So we'll see how that goes. It's just another point to say, hey, don't always think it's going to go up forever. You you have to realize that things change. Um, hey, wow. So, yeah. yeah Do you remember AOL that, was going up forever and ever? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so much, so many people that, you know, exercise instead of stock options in 1999 and then the stocks crashed in 2020 and they still owed taxes on those positions and they became worthless. So you, you have to, people always make decisions based solely on taxes when you can't do that going into retirement. Wealth management is about keeping up with the market in the good years and outperforming in the down years. It's not about outperforming in the up years. That's kind of a misnomer of asset allocation and wealth management where, you know, if we, we net a fees, we can keep up with the indexes in the good years and then outperform in the bad years. That's time to throw a party because then you don't have to come back as far when, when the market does dip and recover. Um, having diversification. I mean, a perfect example of this, Rob, is that if, you had uh, money invested October 1st of 2007, nine days before the peak of that bull market. Mm-hmm. By March 9th of 2009, the S&P 500 was down 57% during that period of time. Highly concentrated stock positions were probably even down worse, right? If you had just tech or anything that was expensive. And so if you're going into retirement with that highly concentrated position, people are feeling that right now. I know people that retired this year. 
And if they would have gone in with a non-diversified portfolio of in a highly concentrated tech position, the, the NASDAQ is still down almost 30% for the year. But in, in 2009, if you, if you would have started in, in October 1st, 2007 with a 60-40 stock bond portfolio, the market was down 57% March 9th of 2009, but your balanced portfolio would have broke even November 5th, 2010. Whereas stocks didn't break even again until August 12th, 2012. You know, and, and the market is so, I mean, if you look at a return, a market is way up since 2007, October, that high of 2007. The market is way up over the last three years. It's up over 30%. So these peaks are, or these peaks and these dips are normal. But people realize that a little bit more in retirement. It's a little scarier when you're living off of your wealth. So you have to set up your portfolio the right way. We're winding down the segment. Do you want to plug the seminar? Yeah. I mean, if you want to figure out how long your money is going to last, what expenses you're not thinking about, like healthcare costs, how to rebalance your portfolio, how much cash you should have on the sidelines in retirement, when to sell, that's that's what we're going to be talking about. Thanks very much. You can find CFP Chad Burton on a podcast. New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton, where you find podcasts. You can find him tomorrow night, the November 7th, Retirement Income and Tax Planning. That's Thursday evening at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. You can sign up for the event at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Use the code EVENT25 to get in and waive the fees. I'm Rob Black. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.